Hey guys, it's me, Alex. So before I start the actual show, please let me tell you that I am sponsored by a bar called The Standard. You can find them in real life at 14 Northeast 22nd. I love the place. I would be talking about them if they didn't sponsor, but they do. So please go to facebook.com slash thestandardpdx. Click like. It's good. If uh, if you're there, tell them Alex sent you. If you're on Facebook, tell them Alex sent you. Do things. Make sure Alex sent you. 14 Northeast 22nd. Facebook.com slash thestandardpdx. I recommend Sunday nights. There's $2 microbrews. That's right, an entire pint of microbrew for $2. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. I'm telling you, it's impossible. Also, go to alexcast.com. Click stuff. There's an Amazon link. Click that before you buy stuff on Amazon. I get a small percentage. You don't have to do anything else, and it doesn't cost you anything, and it's good, and the world is lovely, and we can uh, hold hands and skip into uh, something. I don't know what I'm saying. Look, I gotta admit it. I'm a little tired right now, and uh, just go to alexcast.com and click stuff, and it'll be fun. Cool. So, enjoy this episode, uh, and yes, good evening. It's me, Alex, and I am here again in the echo chamber to do a little podcast for you. Tonight we have with us returning guests, you might remember from last time, the uh, energy worker we had on. I had quite a quite a good response to him, so let us welcome back Mr. Gates. Hello, Gates. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice to be back. Yes, I'm glad you came. Yeah, you're, you're one of those episodes that I had... Uh, Pretty steady comments on, you know, people touching back in or just going, wow, that was a really interesting one, which mm. is, I mean, probably, you know, pointless to say, but those are always the ones that I think are the best where it's, you know, not just a couple of people saying, oh, a good one. And then it's never mentioned, but over the months, it's, you get a, you know, a trickle of people saying things. So, right. Yeah. That's always good. Yeah. I didn't follow up afterwards, so I, I would have liked to. I'm more of a solitary, so. These sorts of things are few and far between for me. Yeah. So well, it's good to hear that, you know, this this worked out for everyone involved. Yeah. I like it. It's um this show is very much uh, a really intricate means of of connecting solitary types, you know. Um not not necessarily referring to all of them, but I always call some of the you know, the audiences the basement dwelling weirdos is right. you know, it's there's a lot of a lot of me's out there that end up finding the show. So it's, it's kind of frustrating because no one ever talks to me because, you know, no one, we're all solitary types, but it's. Well, yeah, the, yeah. there's this whole, um, when you, when you go into spirituality, it's a kind of an allegory or metaphor to the desert. And so walking into the desert is basically you're, you're leaving conventional society and speaking, uh, seeking a spiritual quest. And, um, you feel very alone out there and that's kind of the point you're looking for this enlightenment. Um, and what you don't really realize is that people can be a lot more accepting, um, in your day to day than you expect them to be. Um, like my coworkers, I also, you know, I have a day job and a life and things like that. And, um, 
I am on, you know, the spiritual journey as well. I'm in the desert and I have been, you know, ever since I was a child. And people are a lot more accepting than you give them credit for. So you feel alone. You're having these experiences that no one else has and you can find them online. You can find them, you know, through social media, things like that and have fleeting conversations over the internet. But, um, everyone is afraid of being judged everyone is afraid of you know their own version of reality being falsified and ridiculed and so when you open up to those around you even if it's you know a coworker or just random friends that you don't think that have these similar experiences um, you might be surprised that you're actually not alone in this you know this line of work or this kind of universe yeah that's what I've been trying to talk about as much as I can on the show and on Twitter, because I have had you get random people reaching out and these weird connections get made, and it's very gratifying. Especially, I mean, the audience is a lot of, you know, solo people, so it's, I don't know, like getting one email from them feels like, you know, it would be like a hundred from a more conventional style show, you know, because right. that's someone that's, they're not apt to write into a place. This is not, you know, they're not going to, uh, they're not going to, you know, uh, express their their like or dislike of a product you know they're just gonna turn the channel and you'll never hear from them so when i hear from them it's especially gratifying so yeah, yeah. we have you know select few diehard fans and those that are just seeking spiritual insights and try and sell you know the least amount of bullshit as possible yeah but we are all biased yeah it's human nature that's why i try to be honest on the show too that's it's it's cringes me on a certain level where if I'm ever called an expert in anything, I just might, I need to have them stop saying those. It's one, don't have the knowledge base, but two, oh, the second you start being an expert at something is, oh, that's where things start going wrong. That's where it stops being a spiritual path and you put on silly clothes and, you know, give yourself a title. You right. know, that's where churches start. Yeah. You know? Those Discordian popes out there. Well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think... I'm reasonably sure I've been made a pope a few times through the Discordian, so right. I feel like I feel like I've got them well covered. Well, that's kind of the point. Yeah, is you know making fun of that whole hierarchy. Once oh yeah, gain this idea of knowledge, and then you're somehow superior to those around you. Yeah, that's why uh, audience. If you guys don't know about them, the Discordian. Well, that'd be a tough nut to unravel in a short <laughs> amount of time. Well, there's a group that kind of uh, uh, likes to prod at religion, so. Essentially, they decided that since if the Catholics can make somebody pope, so can they, and started just naming people pope, and then started spreading more that like anybody reading this page of this book is now a pope, and then publicly announcing that the pope is now a pope, and just absurdity, just trying to you know kind of mock out the hierarchical structure of most religions. They also have some very useful gems for a spiritual practitioner as well, like the Law of Fives, which you know it, it states that you can basically break anything apart and somehow find the number five in it yeah and so if you're outside on the street you can look at anything and, and somehow make your brain see fives everywhere you can reduce things to fives you can see fives or you know another example would be going outside and looking for white cars and once you start looking for them you see them everywhere and it becomes like a kind of a crazy philosophy of yours that you know white cars are everywhere and they're following you around yeah. And so it's always reminding you that your brain is engineered to find patterns and to kind of keep the bullshit at the lowest level possible is the ideal. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're really fun. That's just you're really great if if you don't want to start a huge spiritual path, but you're interested in this stuff. Is uh, Robert Anton Wilson, uh, who's associated with the that well, whatever. I don't even want to say associate. Whatever. He's a really great guy to start reading. Um, I recommend his nonfiction over his fiction uh, for me personally. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and he he did a ton of really nice um, uh, lectures available on YouTube, and he's a really down straightforward this just irish kid born in the 30s style thinker but super smart and will walk you through some philosophy in a way that i i certainly know i get scared off by certain things because of the people that practice them so i like the idea of like crystals like i've been getting into that recently okay but it's really tough to find somebody to talk to about it that just doesn't sound like they're not quite right totally there you know i don't I don't want to talk about quantum vibration and like I've read about quantum theory. I don't know anything about it. I, I don't, I'm not going to start using those words. Well, that's, yeah. you know, a trip down the rabbit hole that yeah. the law of fives tries to circumvent. So yeah. it, Robert Anton Wilson builds a good foundation for the occultists or, or the thinking mind of the spirituality. Yeah. He, he had a great, um, uh, he had a great, uh, sorry, one of the fans is checking in. He had a great, uh, uh, story about how he saw the peyote god dancing for him while he was on peyote. And I just, I always thought that was really wonderful. And I'm like, well, why is that? And he kind of breaks it down that there's these, I mean, I guess it's just a union thing, but like there's these archetypes. And, you know, from ancient man to now, your brain still can connect to these kind of primal archetypal things like you know um the ayahuasca mother or you know the the peyote god or in his case he uses uh the puka the tall rabbit from um mr smith goes to washington right. i think that is you know it's but it's done in a way that if that was said by somebody a little bit more um woo woo i think the phrase is you'd be like oh yeah yeah there's magical spirits or whatever but wilson's so smart they can break it down into like archetypal neuro-linguistic language and you're like oh wow right. this you know this is this is good yeah um, the cool thing about archetypes is that you can really get to understand yourself and, and culture through them. So all cultures have them, and we all use them without even really knowing it. And um, they were more cut and dry in the ancient times with, you know, the gods. It's pretty obvious where yeah. they are. But here, you know, it's, it's harder to spot them as, or see them in our cultures. Um, but they're all present, um, and we pick them to kind of make personalities there's this uh idea of panpsychism uh that was in uh, one of peter carroll's books i think i talked about this last time or we might have talked about it after the yeah show. we might have yeah because it's i know i haven't actually read that part but it's ringing a bell we may have yeah right well it's an older concept as well uh everything truly is borrowed and even in this field um but it's where we have multiple personalities, all of us, and no matter where we are in life, uh, we're embodying a different personality. Um, and so all of these archetypes, they're trained into us. They're given a, to us, you know, when we're born and throughout life, we kind of pick them up and utilize them. Um, and so, you know, the, the best example is right now, I'm a spiritual practitioner, you know, energy worker when I'm at work, you know, I'm, I'm a completely different person. And it's, it's kind of like that multi-faced God in Hinduism. Yeah. Um, if you were to compress an entire day into one, you know, moment, you would be all of these different selves simultaneously. You would be that multi-faced God. And so 
all of these motifs, all of these um, pictures of, of, you know, ancient art and um, things like that, um, they're really just metaphors as to what life is. The, the more you understand it, the, the more beautiful it is and the more connected you are to it. Yeah. No, indeed. The, um, if you look at one of my favorite things to do is make fun of the show Ancient Aliens. And trust me, I'm going somewhere <laughs> in this. But they, they do that. They, what they look at as proof of aliens is what you're talking about is this archetypal, almost reflective nature of art and, and, you know, creation. So, but, but, but when they look at it because they're looking for, you know, looking for their right. white car, they see aliens while, you know, on a psychological level, it's, well, no, this is a, an alien is a primal representation of, of a human figure from, you know, that's built into us, ingrained, or, you know, those old, like, that picture of an alien on a, on a cave wall is, you know, actually really just a understanding of the unknown as, as metaphor through drawing a face that is foreign yet similar. Right. And I, I very much like it because it's actually like a smart show. I mean, no, but it's... <laughs> It's, you could take a lot, you could take a lot of, if you watch it as an experiment, if you watch like what they're, the way they're, this is getting perverted and just read it psychologically, it's really a, an expedient way to see an entirely different way of viewing things that's from information that's been in front of you. You know, it's, it's quite interesting. Well, this draws an interesting point. Um, it's all about the Mahayana driving the vehicle. And so, we watch these shows or we look for white cars and you know we don't really think about what the end goal is or if you do then you're driving the mahayana so the end goal to you know believe in aliens is a pervading sense of paranoia you're afraid or you're in sense of wonder but to some extent that stems from fear from my experience i've had a great deal of you know crazy occult experiences and i could you know believe that you know I, i've been you know chased by demons that you know aliens exist and they've abducted me all these things could have been a potential for me throughout my life but the end goal is i don't want to live in that sense of fear i'd rather look um instead to you know beauty and, and sense of happiness than you know be stuck in that be trapped in that so instead of driving towards that fear i i decided to take a hold of that Mahayana, the the vehicle, and drive instead somewhere else. Yeah. It's a really key point for people that are kind of starting a path that, and maybe it's just not everybody, but for me, one of the things is once there's a rule, like if this is the way something works, I immediately don't want anything. I don't want to do it the way someone told me. Right. So, uh, you know, you being in control of this path doesn't mean that you read, like, I have a hard time talking spirituality with some people because what they'll do is tell me exactly what the book said and probably have it better than I do. Like I read that book, but you know, I just kind of skimmed it and see yeah. what it there, but every single word and phrase and everything and doing it wrote, you know, step by step, the exact mantras, the exact everything. And it's like, I mean, it's not like you're really in control. It's just, you're just submitting to a concept and maybe there's some beauty there. But for me, I like, I like the driving the car, you know, I like the, pointing your car in a direction. So I think when you're starting any kind of spiritual path of, I like the, I mean, it's the chaos magician to me, but like, I like just grab bag, you know, that thing seems good. I'll grab that. That seems that's stupid. Don't want that. You know, just pick up what works for you and what will make you, 
not to use a simplistic term, but make you a better person and everything else you just slough off, you know? Right. Um, the picking up, you know, the useful things is really, really important. Um, I, I had something to say, but I forgot about it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I've been doing this recently, kind of thinking about, I came from a, I came from kind of a Buddhist background, like not came, but that was the, my first kind of fledgling steps towards trying to find a system that made sense to me back when I thought I needed right. a system. And, um, recently I've kind of, I don't know, not gotten like mad at the Buddhist stuff, but like, I really like some of the fundamental concepts, but then the second it steps out of like, I like Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path. That seems like pretty like yeah. standard. Like I, I pretty much like all that. Like, I don't want you to overdefine any of it, but like, that's pretty, that seems like a very good way the world works. Well, you can kind of find some humor in everything. I mean, the Buddha, he, you know, suffered a great deal to be rid himself of suffering, and then he suffered even more to spread the word. Yeah. So once he got rid of it, he was suffering again. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just to, to get everyone to stop doing it, which is kind of, you know, funny. It's yeah. ironic in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doing something, yeah, it's it's the um, giving, yourself a, giving yourself the disease that cured the disease kind of thing. Right, and... When it comes to like any system, to to follow it to a T is is kind of humorous as well because at some point a human developed the system. At some point, yeah. someone decided, "Hey, I'm gonna summon angels today, and I'm gonna find out how to do that. I'm gonna write all this stuff down. Yeah. Or I'm gonna create a religion and find these tablets and or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so to follow something to a T is just simply to adhere to their ideals. Yeah. You're not creating any of your own you're really just kind of falling in line yeah and, and that's yeah that's something yeah I've, I've tried to get that point across the kind of not new people even people that have been doing it for a while that it's i mean and not to do this it's so hard to word because it's like some of the language you know when you talk about this stuff, some of the language gets dangerously close to really annoying shit but you have to have a personal relationship with this it's yeah. not it's not say the exact like i like mantras like i like chanting but I literally don't know what the words mean. doesn't really matter. Like, I just like the feel of it, the rhythm. That's nice. But when you get to the point that you have to memorize the exact thing, every syllable has to be perfect. That's where I start losing, losing things. Like we, so we're sitting at a table audience at home and there's a tree of life in front of us. I find Kabbalistic thinking amazing. I, I love numerology. It sounds fantastic. But then it takes that just, I mean, it's a tiny step away, the small step to the left where it becomes, the most over-specific, just pedantic. Right. Oh, this is. There's no love. There's no God in this. This is. This is just a bunch of computer programmers like talking shit that I just have nothing to do with. Well, the idea is to try and make a model that fits every system of thought and belief into one little thing, and so it, it you can do it. I mean. It's very simplistic and it's very useful if you want to look at it. So I guess delineating from what we were just talking about, um, the understanding is to read the text. So I'm looking at the tree of life. I'm looking at understanding right now. And understanding is to you, the letter of the T, you know, following everything in here um, that I'm practicing. So say I want to summon an angel, you know, I memorized everything i've you know connected with all of that mentally and i can do it every you know every time every day if i wanted to the wisdom is is actually having an emotional connection to that to the the philosophy behind the angel to um 
understand him in a poetic sense. So it's not just, you know, mentally regurgitating what has been said to me. It's instead um, having a, an emotional connection. It's it's like having a faith in God. You, you know, you, you feel it. You, it's, you know, that kind of counterintuitive, counter-understanding. Yeah. Um, because they are dichotomous. Um, they are on opposite sides on this tree of life. But when you combine them, the, the love and the, the intellect, which is also a concept in Jungian's or Jung's red book, um, it, it transponds into beauty. So that's the beauty of, of all of it. And, and the idea is to work down that and, and, you know, the system, but yeah, I, I lately I've been thinking about it as like an artisan and an artist, how one, you know, you can create, but you still need to chisel out the sculpture. Like, you create the sculpture in your head, but you still have to chisel it. And then there's people that just chisel. Right. And it's the combination thereof that actually create, that does something. So if you're somebody that just does, you know, I don't know, some, some rote carving job or something, you know, but that looks artist, you know, it looks like art when it's done, but you're just, you know, it's a, it's a stencil and you just, that's it. You're doing it all day. So yeah, technically you're doing it. Like you are saying the liturgy, like you are. Yes, you said all those words in perfect Latin and, you know, you took your benedictions and, yes, you did the novena and, yeah, you went through it, but you didn't, there was no art there, you know? Right. There's no, it's just rote, you know? Or it's like going to school without having any passion at all. You, you go there, you learn, you know, your your law and, you know, you have your legal degree and you remember all of these different um, laws, but you just have no passion behind protecting the innocent. and yeah vanquishing those demons of you know life or whatever that's a really great analogy and i'm so glad you did that yes that's exactly right in my head that just rings so true that the spiritual path is very much like lawyers it is because there's a lot of just pedants like ambulance chasing just jerks but then there's people that are literally there for like one of the best causes you can it's like i want to protect people i want to i want to have justice be you know like i i want really fundamental to like being a good human like it's directly there but it's you know a shade next to you know some of the worst people you can ever run into you know right and yeah it's a really really good analogy but there's also those who just want to protect people but are terrible at you know the understanding side of things so it's you you have to find a good balance yeah and that's how you you move up um mentally yeah the tree of life thing is terrifically interesting to me and i haven't even I don't even know if I've looked at the surface yet, like, let alone scratch the surface. Right. Because I thought I had an understanding of it on a very basic, like, um, audience at home, you're going to look, just look up uh, Kabbalistic Tree of Life on Google so you know what we're talking about, but you'll recognize the symbol immediately. But, like, I had this understanding through basically somebody related to sacred geometry, like, that's, that's source, and then source sees itself, it doubles, and there's there, and that's kind of the, the, the story of the creation of the universe. And then there's some, there's some lines that'd be like, oh, this is, higher level thinking, this is where kind of humans and median things are, and this is the, as you fall down the path, you know. And then I started to read more, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't even, even that story's not even close enough to, like, describe, like, the the vast amount of information that's compiled into one very simple thing, it, it kind of blowing my mind. And that's why I, I was saying about the botanic thing, of trying to look into this and find people that aren't just going to say, well, it's, it's, you know, Kether, Benah, blah, it's the letters of Yahweh mixed this way and a 45 minute speech that there's no love behind. 
so it's like that's tough to sit through. And then the other side is the hippie, you know, right. airy thing. And my oh, the struggle that I have, or it's not struggle, but it's it's actually really fun. But the trying to find anybody that you were talking about that gets those two together, trying to find anybody that can think like that and describe it in a useful way, it is it is difficult. I'd also like to say that this even though it's very complex and interesting and, and everything can fit in it, this tree of life, it is another exercise, the law of fives. And so when you pick it up and you find some beauty and some worth out of it, you, you have to, to some extent, realize that it is a system. And while everything can fit beautifully in here and I can mold my own belief system to fit this, it's still just another law of fives. I can find, you know, some reason to fit all of my life and all of my experiences into it. Yeah. But while it's useful, always keep it at arm's length. Uh, my favorite part of it is Ein, um, or Ein Sof. It's, it's zero, the, the not limited, the limitless. Yeah. And so there's this concept in, um, Taoism. There's a concept concept in Taoism that is um, from void into form and form into void. And so everything in the tree of life system is, you know, it everything has to fit in it. And so it comes from nothing and it goes into something. And that's kind of the perpetual thing that the universe does is yeah. from nothing to something and from something back into nothing. And what I've realized through energy work, um, or how I found energy work was going into that nothing, um, going into nothing and then coming back. And I have this energy when I, when I break my mind down into a complete sense of quiet, I can use energy much easier because I am that source. And so when I begin, I am a new body. I'm, I'm that body outside of self that is um, connected to all things. And this, we're getting really deep into this wisdom thing, this, this um, one side of things that's really, you know, floaty and, and metaphysical. But when it comes down to it, the, the whole idea that everything has an energetic signature, everything like myself um, can, can sense it, can pick it up, can do all these things. When you prove it to yourself, um, because proof is, is something we always struggle with in the occult. Um, proof is really only important to you. And I, I spent a great deal of time trying to prove this scientifically, you know, in my own kind of case study of this energetic thing. Um, because I don't want to be crazy, yeah. you know, like everyone. But once that was accomplished, um, then I really started to grow in this um, idea that everything actually does have energy and that all of us are connected and the only difference between self and other or self and not self is a sense of mind. And, and it can be crazy making, but again, you always have to keep your theories and philosophies at arm's length because they're laws of five. So, yeah, that's, uh, the, the, um, 17 responses in my head uh go with this one uh the the higher arcana in the tarot also describes this the the ain't soft the zero is the fool and the, right. that the path you're on is a good it's a good way to kind of picture it because you're you're literally on that journey moving towards you know the 21st and then 
you just cycle back around through there. And that, you know, energy work relates directly to that, as you're saying, you know, that's that, um, the, you know, what, what do you call it? The yuga cycles for the, for, you know, the universe or, you know, 1700 different versions of it. Right. And the cool thing about, you know, the, the Ein, Ein Sof, Ein Sof R, and I'm probably, you know, butchering it, but they're all concepts of zero. And so zero is split into three perspectives. One of them is not, the other one is not limited. So one of them isn't, doesn't exist at all. The other one has no limit. So it's, you know, expounding. And then the third one is limitless. So it's infinity. And so it could be any of those things or all of those things simultaneously. And going to source to um, experience that energy, the, the best way to find energy is to completely shut down all mental um functions in terms of of thought like um you know that little voice in your head or you know what happened today or thinking about the future or the past or you know the present you completely go into that state if you can feel energy then when you go into that state and just it's kind of like a switch you switch into that sense of what energy is um and you become that instead of here in this reality you kind of leave here and you're in that one yeah and you become that ein that not and then that not limited and whatnot yeah I, that's that's that uh that crux point of turning off is something i know many many people uh, struggle with myself included of that um yeah. you have to treat your brain like it's a toddler so your your brain is is constantly playing this game of i want to talk to you and I want to tell you things that are interesting to me. Um, I want to ask questions. Why? Why? Um, and so the way to quiet that voice is to play, you know, I'm going to repeat what you say back to yourself. So my brain's talking to me and it's asking me questions and I'll just ask the same question back to it. It's putting that mirror in your, hmm. your brain. And so if you ever want to win a game of, um, you know, repeating each other. You just repeat what the last person said over and over and over again until the game kind of quits. And that's how you do that with your brain. That's why we have uh, mantras. That's why we say OM or whatever. It's to quiet the mind, and that's exactly how that works. There is some spiritual insight into it. Um, you know, the, the metaphor of OM is, you know, really the vibration of the universe, but really all we're trying to do is get back to source. Yeah. And so... I kind of, uh, my own personal theory is that all of these, the point of Buddhism is to find the energy work, which is really taboo. Um, when I've said that to a Buddhist community, they didn't like it at all, which is, you know, it's kind of funny and ironic that Buddhists wouldn't like something, but yeah. <laughs> they didn't. Um, and th that's just been my own point of study is that to get to zero is fine. Um, but then what, you know, now that I've quieted my mind, what do I do now that I'm enlightened now? What, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that I'm enlightened, um, but I am. So are you. So is everyone else. We're all living out our own method of existence, um, in the way we see fit. We're doing exactly what we want to do. We're suffering exactly the way we want to. Um, and 
you know, that, that is kind of a bad thing to say because I, I don't necessarily agree with that a hundred percent. Um, because there are certainly people, you know, in difficult places that cannot control their external circumstances. And that's not necessarily, you know, true in their situation, but in terms of spirituality, how we view things, how we experience life, we're exactly where we want to be. Yeah. The um the zero thing with Buddhism is where my issue with Buddhism kind of shows up, and that's why I kind of more like the Hindu thought, but there's a, to me, and I'm not trying to insult the whole community of thinkers, because honestly, it's the closest of the major religions to the way I think, but there's a selfishness to Buddhist thought that kind of annoys me of the not annoys me, that's a terrible way to put it, that turns me off, where it's it's this kind of, yeah, life is suffering, you can get away from suffering by not desiring, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But like, once you get to that point, it just feels like, well, like, yeah, now you're just loafing on a mountain. Like, great, you, okay, you, yeah, you're, you're enlightened, but, but now you're not useful. Like, you're useful to yourself, and I get that. It is a personal journey, but I just, there's just a certain amount of, like, I, I mean, I guess I just believe that you have some responsibility to live in the world, not just sit on a mountain and meditate, you know? And it just, yeah, I don't know. There's just a certain amount of, like, not dealing with external reality in Buddhism that just kind of doesn't really sit with me right. Right. There's a bit of, um, I, I read uh, an article by a Tibetan Buddhist um, monk or something, and he was saying that, you can be enlightened and still have a family. The whole idea of enlightenment is just to be happy in your current situation. And um, that, that to me is more appealing than, you know, isolating yourself and not being attached to anything and being yeah. okay with death and life and not death or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, that makes sense. And I like that. Um, so, you know, it, I think that if enlightenment is more accessible to everyone, like it's not that hard, you know, Yeah. then it, it would be, um, you know, it's seen as what it is. It's just you understand your life and you're happy about it. You're not, you know, going to work every day and saying, oh, my life sucks and I hate everyone around me. It's instead yeah. you find, you know, some connection with these people and you really enjoy their company. Yeah. See that, that I can definitely deal with, not deal with. I mean, that's the, the process of it that I can enjoy and get into, but yeah, it's that sitting on a, sitting on a cliff somewhere meditating, like great, but it just, it, I, I was watching a while ago, uh, actually it was shortly after we met, because I was watching some uh, Qigong videos and there was this dude back in the seventies that they found that could like light paper on fire and stuff. And right. I don't know if you saw the documentary, but apparently he, he, turned it off immediately because apparently he started showing off and then felt really bad. So I, I really liked him because he literally went, no, I can't do the documentary anymore because his master came to him while he was sleeping. He's like, you weren't supposed to show anybody this stuff. Like, this is exactly what I warned you against. Right. And he just fell off the planet. Like, he's, no, I'm not talking to anybody anymore. I'm like, oh, shit, that actually strikes me as a legit dude. And that's what a lot of the Buddha sitting on a, on a, on a ledge feels like. Where it's, yeah, great, you lit a piece of paper on fire, but what the fuck does that do? Like, great, you're enlightened on a cliff. That doesn't... Yeah. Yeah. Now that you have yeah. these superpowers, you know, that are pointless. You're yeah. Not, you're not going to save anyone by lighting a piece of paper on fire. You're yeah. not going to... You know, all you're proving is that this world is really weird, and you're a part of it. Yeah. And now that you're a celebrity, um, now what? 
What are you going to do with that celebrity yeah. status? That's part of the reason why I am a solitary. I, um, coming out here today and, and the other time we spoke is rare for me. It's rare form, but really my intent is to spread, um, self seeking to, to spread, um, our, you know, spiritual side. We have a great deal of understanding in this culture. We're very scientific now. Um, we lost a sense of spirituality, but we've always been really, uh, you know, measurement heavy and, and everything that makes sense in this world to us is what we see in front of us, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste. And I want to, you know, say to you out there and to everyone is that we need a little bit more of a poetry understanding of the universe. And, and I really love the understanding, but the emotional aspect of it, the spiritual aspect of it, um, can reveal a great deal more. Um, and it, it's needed, um, for a sense of balance. Yeah. No, I totally agree. That's what we're, what you're referencing before of the talking of the tree of life and combining like the two ways of viewing into, you know, one kind of way is, I was talking to my friend, he's very, very materialist, very, um, He's one of those kind of the new kind of loud atheists that are hanging around. And yeah. I was trying to explain to him that spirituality is, is an equally valid way of view or a spiritual view of the world is equally valid to a scientific one. And his argument back was, well, spirituality never made an iPad or whatever. I'm like, but, but you're defining your win by your own definitions. So because you say science is effective, you're used a scientific, you know, a scientific outcome. So. That's I'm just saying that it's a different worldview. They're equally valid. It's like no, 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 because because science gave us gave us vaccines. Yeah, but that's because you're defining your outcome by you know that. So I could say, well, science did didn't give us a Buddha. You know, or I wouldn't use that argument, but because the point is, we're using just two different variants of the way to view the world. Like it's not like you yell at a dog and go, "You can see more infrared. You're wrong." You know, yeah. or or you can smell more than me. Like you're you're incorrect in the way that your nose approaches this universe. The thing about, because it is a, a polarity. So, yes, science has given us a great deal of things. And spirituality is its dichotomous opposite. It is completely, you know, against that whole, I'm going to look at, you know, the universe in these, you know, very simple material ways. Um, and, you know, what you forget is that to every magnet, the polarities, um, it's one thing. Um, and so... It, it, it's always one thing. The, the spiritual and the physical are connected as a magnet is connected yeah. to its positive and negative end. So when you combine them, when you make them whole, um, you get a great deal more out of your research. If you're a scientist and you, you, you know, spend some time and, and connect with it, it becomes more real. It becomes uh, lively poetic even and it becomes an art you can do the same with math you, you can see the beauty of the universe when you're trying to describe it um uh, when you're looking into quantum physics or you know i think einstein really understood this concept um where you travel faster and time slows down and that you know that image that feeling that came with that um, he began to understand it a lot more. It became beautiful. So he combined understanding and wisdom and saw a sense of beauty in the universe. It's not uh, Newtonian clockwork. It's 
actually really interesting and beautiful and mass you know it changes time and space and wow this is beautiful it's it's almost like a transcendental experience it's, it's yeah. what it is yeah i was i was listening to a podcast a while ago and i can't remember what it was but somebody was describing what what beautiful math looks like because mathematicians will say oh that's a beautiful equation and to me i'm not a math oriented person i i i literally don't understand what that term means but they were breaking it down to like a number of ways but you know basically like the the elegance of the solution and how few steps it takes you to do it but then the other side of like when you make an equation that connects to that other thing like when when with einstein where you realize space time or you know essentially the same thing it interconnected but when you do an equation that combines with another one you're like oh and that beautiful that's that connecting clicking motion is like this beautiful it's a creative act and that's that's the beauty of it that's like a you know it's literally creation it's birth it's like oh i get it you yeah. know and that's that's why I like the there's getting a bit to be too much ego in it now but this kind of last i don't know 15 year run of having a physicist on tv talking about how amazing physics is like neil degrasse tyson or um brian cox in the uk or um brian k green or brian green whatever his name is but there are these people that are in love with with physics and they're talking about it in this passionate like the way that a, an art critic would talk, you right. know, like that's Carl been, Sagan. Yeah, yeah he, oh, well, they are. Yeah, it's actually yeah. a good call. Yeah, these are like the the disciples of Sagan, so they're all sure. And that's been wonderful because, like, oh, you can actually see the beauty of the way they see it. And now it's gotten too popular, and there's too much money, and it kind of stinks a little bit. But it was beautiful, you know. And Sagan, he's probably my favorite person um, in regards to this kind of understanding because a lot of people quote him as a diehard atheist, but really. Um, if you read his Dragons of Eden, he was writing about um, how the entire Bible is a metaphor to our creation and, and existence. And um, he he kind of broke down, you know, the psyche and the mind, but he also used the biblical story of Eden as a kind of, this is how we view it in science. And he also, in um, A Demon Haunted World, talked about spirituality and ghosts and uh, aliens and said to the scientific community that we should actually look at this um, less as, uh, you know, hearsay and witch hunting and instead look at it, you know, or not seriously, but just allow it to exist and, yeah. and become a part of it and not, you know, just say it's stupid just because it it's there and doesn't agree to my sensibilities. Yeah. I like I like Sagan quite a bit. I don't know enough about him, so I'm. Um, it always struck me as weird when he's been the kind of totem for the atheists, because the way that I mean I don't know much, but like the way he talked didn't strike me as very atheisty. Like he seemed the word's been trod upon and 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 completely ruined. But agnostic is a word that I wish would come back into fashion. Well, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, he is adherent to that. I am an agnostic. Oh, good I'm for not him. Not an okay. atheist. Yeah, because that, I mean, I've said this on the show a thousand times. They're sick of me saying it, but atheism is not a scientific viewpoint. Like, that's not. It's a dogma. Yeah, it's not their job. Like, that's, your tool set isn't for that. Stop saying that. And also, you sure talk about something you don't believe in a lot. Right. Like, that's, that'd be like me constantly talking about how I haven't played tennis in 20 years and <laughs> I only played once. You know, it's just a weird, it's a weird obsession. You know, like, I get it. The world annoys you, but like, I'm annoyed by baseball. It's not like my whole life is going to be like, I can't believe it's on TV again today. <laughs> when you have a, any sort of belief system, you immediately become, you know, an asshole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that 
you know, in any religion, um, you, you kind of have to keep it at arm's length. Remember, it's the law of fives. Um, and that might be, you know, it, it might be rude, but that's how I, how I feel about it. When you have a dogma, you're, you've decided how the universe works and you've decided that other people are wrong about the universe. And, um, how strongly you agree with this dogma is how strongly you feel towards those other people. Um, and that's what I don't like. It, it's, yeah. You have to keep the sense of wonder about the universe. When you decide something, you decide that, you know, you don't want any more wonder anymore. Um, you want to hold on to this idea. I have um, this image of mine. Um, it came to me some time ago, and it's, you know, I've held on to it. We are all ants in this kind of sea or kind of a whirlpool, and there's rocks in the whirlpool, and we're, you know, we're drowning in it. We're afraid. All of this life is really chaotic and strange to us. And so we will cling to these rocks as dogmas, these beliefs, so that we can kind of feel like we can breathe. Yeah. But really, you know, if we let go, it, we're not going to hurt ourselves. We'll, we'll go down that whirlpool and find ourselves in a place that's, you know, really worthwhile. Yeah. But like going back to Robert Anton Wilson, he, he abbreviates belief systems as BS in all of his books. You know, it's the exact thing. It's bullshit. It's right. belief system is BS. It, there's no, not there's no, but the second you dogmatically cling to any, like, there's a thing, I, I haven't really brought this up enough on the show, but the, the modern interpretation of this anti-Christian thing is really silly. So that whole, the Bible it says 6,000 years old or whatever, that's new. That's like a couple hundred years old they started saying that. Like when Darwin came back, the church didn't have a problem with him. They they were like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's evolution. That was the way that God made the earth. The literalist reading of the Bible didn't happen until really fucking recently. And people should, I mean, I just don't like when a religion gets shit on for the wrong reasons. Like there's plenty of reasons to shit on it, but like that wasn't there. Like they were cool up until relatively recently. And that whole flat earth thing, not that was 1700s. Everybody right. knew it was a round Earth. It was a mistranslation from a poem or something. Yeah, they, yeah. they were. They knew that Earth was round in like Greek times. Yeah, like everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't even like no one thought it was a flat Earth. It was like some. It was literally just. I, I think it was seventeen hundreds or so, somewhere around there. But like, it was some writer was talking about how uh, the Greeks thought it or something. But he was a popular enough guy. I guess he was you know part of the you know the papacy or whatever was running shit back then, and it just became this common thing. They said, "Yeah, they thought their world was flat." No, they didn't. No one thought that. No. Way we, back when the sea was purple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then yeah, you, you almost ran into that there, here beyond here there be dragons sign. You know, it's like oh, Columbus thought the world proving the world was flat. No, he wasn't. That's just that's a really of course not. We we the horizon. I mean, this is <laughs> this is fucking absurd. But. Yeah. It's a lot of this whole uh, religion versus science thing is mistranslations or misunderstandings on both sides, which I'm not saying they can get along because they're, I mean, they can get along, but in your magnet analogy is, is good where it's, yeah, you're two sides and you're opposing, but you're connected at the center. You are, you know, essentially, yeah, two, yeah, two sides of the exact same thing, you know, a, a failed understanding that can never come together because we're not, I mean, to me, I don't think we can understand the universe given my favorite the vessels were in you know my favorite um thing about the like uh, what was it douglas adams said when you understand the universe in totality it suddenly changes to become more complex um and i think that's true oh yeah yeah 
Oh, yeah, yeah. If you ever understand the universe and all of it, it'll destroy itself and uh, come up with something even more absurd. Some people yep. say this has already happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is, I, I almost agree with that totally because there's, it just seems like something would break if we actually understood all of it. It just seems like a, it's almost like that when, when you know, Einstein, when he talks about the, Coming up to the speed of light, the closer you get to the speed of light, the more your mass increases to the point that you literally can't go to the speed of light because the energy it would take to accelerate that mass to the speed of light doesn't exist. It's just, it's, it's, it's an impossible, unbreakable thing. It just can't happen. And I feel like that's like human understanding is, yeah, we can keep gaining traction, momentum and building up, building up, but there's, there's a certain amount of just our mass is being added to. And, and it's just, there's just an impossible wall that'll never go past where it's like, if there is, nothing or if there is a creator or if there's source or if there's just an energy thing or if there's variant permutations thereof i i think we can get glimpses and sniffs but the way we're fundamentally built i don't think we could possibly take it in you know i'd like to draw a, a point to um back when we were talking about religion and its literal interpretation yeah. i think when we look at religion and we look at it um more objectively we we, we draw metaphor from it and we take not literal understanding but the wisdom from it the, the feeling the emotion yeah. um we get a lot more from it um when we talk about soul um soul means breath so when you breathe that's your soul and soul also when you are in different reading different meditative texts um, i found that soul is kind of three different things um, one of them uh, means like my incarnational um, spot in this world. So I'm incarnating again and again, and that's my soul. Yeah. But also soul means awareness. So in Hinduism, you can, through meditation, move your soul. That's what they say is that you can move your soul. And what they mean is, in that sense, and my, my feelings is, um, soul is awareness. So my awareness is right here, you know, in this conversation. I'm looking at you in front of me, that you know, listeners can't really see that, but that's where my awareness is. And and if I were to move my awareness in meditation, would be like maybe to my heart and, and my yeah. feelings or my arms and or towards my energy. That's where awareness is. And then there's also that that breath. And so when you control your breath, you control your state of mind. You you control your awareness. And so in controlling breath, it, it's kind of controlling awareness. So those three different things are what soul is. Yeah. And so there's a bit of beauty behind that, that that breath is soul and then whatnot. So all of these different things we read, all like take a moment when you next time you, you know, pick up some sort of religious text, spiritual text and kind of look at it and try and read between the lines and, and find out what that actually means to you. And it might mean something different again, you know. Yeah. That's it's interesting that comes up. Uh, that comes up in friends out some recently that the Egyptian beliefs were like that too. They had uh, the ka, which is the the actual kind of transitory, the thing that moves on soul. But then there's the I think it's the ba actually is the the awareness of I soul, like the one that's speaking right now. It's just it's I don't know. It's when when you see similar concepts show up in disparate cultures, makes me like I, I perk up a little bit. It's like oh well. I feel like there's extra evidence for wisdom right there where these two completely distinct cultures that evolved separate from each other came up with something kind of similar. That's, you know, something to look at. Well, it was always very incestuous. Even Christianity is, you know, taken a lot from Egyptian mythology. Oh, yeah. And if you, I mean, 
you know, ancient texts read between the lines, uh, you get the tree of life. You get everything there is, you know, in Western occultism that try and, you know, go back to source of Egypt. But really, if you were a Christian and you really, you know, research this stuff, you'd be in the same boat as we are, really. Yeah. Yeah, it goes. Yeah. The, um, if you don't take it literally, if you take it literally, then there's just nothing you can do. I mean, it's just, if it becomes a dogma, then yeah. 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 But that literal interpretation of the Bible just never makes sense to me. It's, I, I mean, I get it. I get why you're doing it, but there's a lot of shit in there that it, ugh. just the pick and shoot. There's slavery in that book. How can you, you don't believe in slavery. If you believe in the book, I believe in the whole book, a hundred percent. There's slavery. I don't believe in slavery. So you don't believe in the whole book. No, I do. Well, I, I don't even know how to. <laughs> right. It's taking away from the stories, the parables, and finding out what that means to you yeah. is what's important. It's not, you know, reading it as a literal. Yeah. You know. Well, they say the, um, not they say, I've read an interpretation of it that, like, the, the, uh, creation story is, you know, kind of retold, uh, occult thing, uh, occultism. So essentially it's, uh, you know, uh, God, God spoke. Right. So it's literally, it's the breath. It's the, it's the logos coming into, oh, this is Gnostic teaching. Now I think about it, but it's, you know, it's logos, it's, it's breath and word that creates the universe. And then from there you can break, I don't remember what they are in order, but like the next five days, each of those is a representation of like kind of you know, the path we're talking about, either the fool's journey or the tree of life, the, you well, know, it's all yeah. sacred geometry. Yeah. It, it all comes back from that, you know, original text that was written in Hebrew. And yeah. there's even, you know, certain numerical values where you can get all the different angels' names and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you get the entire tree of life. You get, you know, all these, uh, was it the, the golden ratio? You get yeah. phi, you get pi, you get everything. And it's all in there. That's, you know, what freemasonry is based off of it's what rosicrucianism came from is that you know splitting of the church and you know the actual texts it's you know and then crowley built his own order off of those texts yeah so it's all there it's all it all comes from egypt and you know maybe before that it's human um you know combination of knowledge yeah. to try and say this very simple thing and i think that when you you can understand it you can spend a great deal of time learning about it and you know finally getting all of the information you need but you can just go into that non-space that limitless place and find it you know much faster yeah I've actually been working with sacred geometry lately. I've been doing the the flower of life, you know, with yep. a, co a compass and pencil. And it's one of these things where I was immediately kind of against, not against it, but anytime I heard people talking about it, they're like, you have to understand, you have to do this. You can't just, because I understood the concept of what the tree of life was, how they did it. Essentially, you draw a circle, that source, source recognizes itself, so you draw another circle halfway through, and it starts building out this geometrical pattern. And after, I think, eight steps... You start being able to derive the golden mean. There's uh, and the bunch of other complex geometrical, you know, things can be found in there. But so I understood the concept. But when I actually started to do it, I, you know, I put a compass down and made that first circle. I'm like, all right, this is source looking at itself. Okay, now this is source looking outside of itself and draw another circle. And it's weird how like the actual physical practice of drawing those circles changes your understanding in this weird way. And I never would have. I would never have bet that that would have worked on me. 
It, well, yeah. it's it's back to that, you mm. know, understanding versus yeah. wisdom. Yeah. It's, it's the feeling of it. You, you're drawing it now. You're connected to yeah. it. And you are it. Yeah. That was that was kind of shocking. And so anybody at home, I, I've prattled on about the, the flower of life a few times, but anybody at home that's interesting, give it a try. There's plenty of, you know, things on YouTube that teach you how to draw it. But it's literally, and that's how amazing the world we live in now. That was knowledge that we could have been murdered for if we even uttered half of that sentence back in, you know, Egyptian times. That was the secret as secret. That's Freemasonry. That's the secrets of like, this is where we derive all the advanced math that we use to like build our society. Now it's just, I'm just some schlub that found it on a YouTube video and I could, you know, send it out to my listeners. Right. Well, it was paramount. That idea was worshipped there. Here, you know, money's worshipped. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, this great understanding, this beauty of life has been gone to the wayside. And so we find ourselves here talking about it. But ultimately, it's um, kind of sad that we don't see it more importantly or yeah. as important as they did. I don't think murdering someone over it is, you know, a good idea. But No, certainly not. Yeah, It's it's just the, the history. But going back a, a while it just you dropped the name and i've been curious to ask you this if uh uh because it seems like that was kind of the end of that little bit um john d you're familiar uh go over his works uh john d was court astrologer to queen elizabeth first he's the one that uh, got the anakian symbols okay um i was just curious if, if you thought he was a huckster I'm um, there's some people think he was just a really good bullshit artist some people think it's a real thing because there's a full language there and I've heard and I've not done enough research that like linguists say that this is like a, a real language. It says grammar and structure and things and right. that it would be difficult to invent. Um, I've heard that and I've also heard that it's a very simple language that's based off of the English one. Oh, okay. Um, so again, I'm going to bring up the lot fives. If it works for you and you find yeah. some great, you know, understanding from it, use it, uh, just like the tree of life. But at some point, you know, let it go or always keep it at arm's length. If it yeah. feels good for you, then do it. Um, and that's a very general saying, but um, my research entirely is just for my own understanding and feelings and wisdom and, and whatnot. Um, but if it works for you, great. If not, you know, that's, that's kind of my, yeah. I mean, for me, it's just an overcomplicated system, but I just find the story fascinating essentially. And, the fact that there is a language existent, that it's written down, there's, I mean, I, kind of because I do have that science head on half of me, like I do think that way often, like, well, is this proof? Like, did, do we have proof of, of something beyond just normal, everyday, mechanistic, you know, uh, we, we breed, we move on, we die? Like, is it, did we get it and no one's recognizing it, you know? See, the funny thing you bring up is proof. Um, and I talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, when I was beginning my energetic practice, I would go to everyone and say to them, you know, from every background, like atheist, Buddhist, Christian, um, people that didn't think about it. I'd, I'd use my energy and I'd put it in their hands and say, what is that? What do you feel? And they'd describe to me exactly what I felt. They described to me from every background that this thing that I feel is exactly what you feel. And they'd ask me what it was. And so I would go to them without their own knowledge. I'd just say, I'm going to try this and you're going to tell me what you feel. And that's all. 
And eventually, after, you know, I, I must have done it, you know, for several years just to verify my own ideas about this. And then finally, I came to a point where, yes, this is real enough to me, and I'm not crazy. And so when it comes to life and, you know, our practices, this is a big deal to us. We, we want to be verified, and we're afraid of, you know, ridicule. Um, yeah. So find it, find enough of it so that you feel comfortable, but don't stress about it having any merit or value later on because your feelings about this will change eventually. That's the, the point is, yeah. is to keep it at arm's length, but the point is change and, and growth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you're absolutely right. It, it's moving down that path and, you know, controlling the vehicle, etc. But I still have a little bit of the science still speaking in the back of my head of like, I would just, I would just like, I mean, I guess it would ruin it, but it would be like, I like mystery. I'm, I don't want it all solved for me. I want to go on this path, but just like a, li just like a little more proof. <laughs> like that's, right. You know, I know that's, I guess that's everybody's, everybody's kind of desire at first. And well, they have, uh, there's a camera that someone developed, um, that can pick up energetic signatures and, and does things like that. There's also, I hate to bring this guy up because I forgot his name, but he was doing research into, um, consciousness. Um, and he took uh, a few people and, and had people call them that was on their list or, you know, just random people. And they'd have to guess who it was that was calling them or who it was that was, yeah. you know, emailing them. Or he had a dog where he would watch dogs and, and see that, you know, they would know when you're going to get home, even if, you know, you were leaving from work early or no matter what, they would automatically know that you were, you know, on your way home. So the people we are connected to emotionally um, know when we're thinking about them. And if that's true, which he found that it was, and he is a scientist, he's not, you know, a, a one of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, if that's true, then consciousness is really like even from here to Australia. If I, if I had a friend there and I was thinking about him or her and I was about to call them, they would know that. And, and that's what he found in his research. Um, consciousness is literally faster than light. It's everywhere. And that in itself is, um, yeah, really quite something. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're, I mean, my my. I guess it's not my problem. It's the, the the journey is such that when I hear that, and I know, I actually, I think I read that. I think I read that guy's book, or at least I read that section in a book. Like all of that, I'm like, oh fuck, I've read this. I saw uh, it in a documentary, uh, so you might have seen that. Yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, because all that was like when you said the dog thing. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. They showed that it knew when the thing was. The, if the guy left home early from work, it's still new. Yeah. You know. There's also a book about it that was written um, some time ago in like contemporary America. Yeah. And it seems like he, the scientist, picked up on it and then he expounded on it with, you know, kind of modern uh, ideas of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know they, they sort of prove that, the, you know, the sense of being stared at, that there is, you know, there is some merit to when someone kind of knows when someone's looking at them, when there's no possible way given the senses as we understand them to pick up on it right but 
now you know now that I, now they said that I'm like yeah that is proof of stuff and in my head I'm like yeah I want more and it's like yeah that's just the way it's gonna be so just let it go. Yeah, well, I have proven you know to other that others that energy exists. Yeah. This is a thing. I feel it. I think it comes through your neurons. So every neuronic center is where we feel that chakras exist. So yeah. my heart, my stomach, um, and my brain, and then in my hands, that's where most of the neurons are. And neurons are all about, you know, feeling things and turning that into information. And so when I reduce all of my thoughts into just neurons, I become, I am feeling all around me and am turning that into direct information. So literally, um, if consciousness is everywhere faster than light, I am at one with this universe connected entirely by my neurons. And so I become it and it becomes me. Yeah. And that's kind of the point to energy work. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. I need to, uh, and I need to, I want to connect more to it. It's been, you know, working on it slowly but surely. I've been, I was playing with, uh, you before you left last time, you were showing me, uh, trying to demonstrate what, what kind of the key energy feels like. Right. And I was playing with that and I actually was kind of, uh, getting to the point, I'm like, oh, I can almost manufacture this. I'm like, oh, that's fun. Like, yeah, I know I shouldn't be so novel about it, but for me, it was, it was fun. I mean, honestly, it was. I was just playing with a. Th- I'm like, oh, I feel like there's a mushy energy in between my hands. That's how how strange. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. Well, a lot of people expect, you know, as an energy worker, me to come in and I'm dressed, you know, in a silly fashion, and yeah. I'm gonna, you know, say a lot of silly things that are really um, kind of blanketed over this kind of beautiful idealism that we call the, the, the universe and none of it really would ever make sense, you know, uh, if you were to just really truly look at it and, you know, I could, you know, I can do healings, I can do all these different things. I, I can, you know, whatever, but ultimately the point is I can't make anyone, um, go on their spiritual journey. I can't force that on anyone. And the, the idea is, I've found this energy. I've gone on a spiritual journey and I can feel or be at one with the universe at times. Um, just like all of us at times are more enlightened than other times. We're that multi-faced God, um, throughout our day, you know? And so I can show you what it feels like so that you can later go and, and have these own experiences of your own, but I can't make you do it. And that's something we all have to remember as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Those, um, yeah, you doing demonstration, then, you know, me actually sitting in here and, you know, trying to shut my mind off and do it myself are two very different aspects, you know, right. to be shown and actually follow through. Like, th- there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people that do, you know, like the, they do, and I'm putting in huge quotes, yoga, where it's, you know, it's the yoga in the exercise Western sense, but then there's people that like do yoga, you know, that, in in the privacy of their home, kind of achieve you know a spiritual path through it, and right. yeah, that wasn't the best metaphor in the world, but you, I I think you sort of knew where I was going there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it comes down to um, what your will is, what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I got an email recently um, from a listener asking me about a teacher, um, and when I got a teacher, they're asking me about my teacher previously and how to find one and and a sense of community. And I did speak a little bit earlier about how people around you are your sense of community, even if they're not in the desert as you are. But 
I wanted to say that when I found a teacher or a teacher found me, it was needed. I was at a point where I socially, emotionally, mentally was in a very terrible place. And so the universe kind of picked me up from that spot. Um, but right now I don't need a teacher right now. Um, or even, you know, three years ago, I didn't need one, but teachers all, they all cost something. Everything has a price in this world, in this universe. And so being willing to pay that price for that knowledge, um, it's that, you know, the hanged man. Um, are you willing to sacrifice your eye for this, you know, sense of understanding? And when we go into this spiritual place, we are sacrificing a great deal. We're, we're losing a sense of um, this idealized reality. Um, they argued that you should never even get involved with the tree of life or any of this understanding until you're 40 years old and married and have kids because mm. you've already gone through the system and you understand what it is to live life and you've already done it. So now you're free to, to go into these spiritual pursuits. And so we need to find a sense of balance between that. Um, need to be able to have a foundation in this world that's real and tangible and social and financial and also um, spiritually be open to new and interesting things. Yeah. The finding a teacher aspect is, how does it word it? It's very attractive. Like the idea of finding a guru. Oh man, that sounds wonderful. But to me, and I'm not, not that this is like a hundred percent well thought, but it feels a little, I don't want to say cheating, but it feels a little, I don't, I don't really know how to word it. There's something strikes me as odd of trying to, I don't know. I guess maybe it's just the teacher finds you is the thing that's not clicking in my head, but finding a teacher, there's something about it that feels all a good off, teacher will you know? ever do is point the finger back at yourself. They won't try and make you worship them. They won't try and somehow get you stuck in this frame of mind where you are dependent on them. They will point the finger back at yourself and say, you are in charge. Yeah. And they will also give you the tools necessary to build yourself up. But they won't fix you because they can't. Yeah. It's up to you. Um, and so the tools are, you know, interesting texts, um, you know, and then they'll guide your own understanding of those texts. But ultimately, they're just pointing the finger. Yeah. And so if you already have that finger, that mirror in your mind, that person that talks to that toddler brain, then you don't need a teacher. Yeah. You have yourself. Yeah, that kind of sucks. I want a teacher. <laughs> Like, I, I did the whole mindfulness thing, and I'm working on that, and I think I understand my monkey brain. Not understand it, but I can observe it. I, I'm, you know, I've I've gotten to the point that I can see the two vantage point sense of self. And, yeah, I guess that is kind of, that's what the, that's what a guru would do. But, man, it just sounds nice that, like, that thing with, like, uh, Ram Dass, where he went to the mountain, and he found Maharishi, or whatever that dude's name was, and, like, he, like, the, 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 re, the guru, like, did tricks for him and like proved it completely. And it's like, Oh man, that sounds so nice. Like just like, you know, how easy is that? Just look, I'm reading your mind and I'm fucking amazing here. Hang out for a month and you'll be, Oh, it sounds good. That's the trouble. <laughs> Every student looks for proof. That's the first thing they yeah. try and find. And we have this idea that occultism is just like Hollywood. They're fireworks and, yeah. you know, demons and, you know, and 
that was something I struggled with too. And it was something my teacher never did um, intentionally was that, you know, this whole idea of proof is what's holding you back. Um, if you accept the fact that this universe is exactly what we believe it to be. So I could become a crazy person and see that all of these different things in the universe make sense to me. This, these white cars, you know, these non dogmas and, and, you know, completely and totally, um, disregard every conventional sense of society. That's a possibility. And, you know, to accept the fact that my brain is in charge of this universe is is to really uh i don't know yeah well that's that you're you know you're i don't like to use the term flawed but you're a flawed machine you know viewing you know a, the smallest sliver of the available information in front of it you know right like and we you know, there's probably what a million different forms of light we are not perceiving right now we can't feel gravity i mean we can feel it but we're not feeling gravity magnetism uh, mag magnetic fields we're not feeling them right now there's infrared there's smells we're not picking up on like we're just i mean no offense but we're two drooling fucking dumb upright apes in a room and the funny thing and, is about all of that is that we found infrared and all these different types yeah. of light because we can see some forms of it yeah and we found gravity because it affects us. But there are things out there that we don't feel yeah. that quite possibly exist as well that are so alien to us that we don't even have the words for it and we don't even have concepts to reach them. Yeah. So with a with a brain and a body that can operate on that level, I suppose it just, you know, understanding that this is where we are viewing a universe that we choose to view. You know, it's not like, it's not like we're walking around going, fuck, I can't see infrared. It's just, we're accepting. So we know, we, we know we're viewing the universe through a very subjective lens. It's just uh, not even all that big of an extrapolation from there to live in a universe, you know, with kind of the magical mindset of I am a universe creator. You know, I'm creating a universe that works this way. All the yeah. time. Yeah. At every moment. Yeah. And that kind of, acceptance of that fact i suppose is the because there's times that i do that like there's times where i feel like yeah this is what i did like this is i'm walking a magical path and then there's other times where it's just you know i mean easiest description of the world is you know there's times that it feels that way and then there's other times where it's like no it's just if you want any proof of the occult go outside um in nature maybe if you're in portland go to the gorge and watch the sunrise and just spend time doing that and you'll find that you know if you're me <laughs> you'll you'll see the ineffable beauty of this universe and it it's really um you know even the simplest things are really quite amazing and phenomenal somehow all of us all forms of life all trees and plants and birds and animals have found a way to coexist um, through life and death in order to keep going to, you know, in a, in a, some form of balance to maintain and continue on in this, this small spot in the universe that we've chosen. And that in itself is really, really quite amazing. I mean, most of this universe is composed of, you know, rock and gas and 
whatever. And then here on this little pale blue dot, we have this, you know, crazy amount of complexity that you don't find anywhere else or that we have yet to find somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, That's magic right there. Yeah, there is a simplicity in that. I guess, again, it's the scientific mindset. Of, for me, it's arguing against simplicity. It's like, what you're saying is absolutely true. I recognize the truth in that. But also, it's like, yeah, but I know, you know, the sun doesn't really rise. It's us going around the earth. You know, like, there's a little bit of that. You know, I guess there's a bit of Newtonian physics that's just kind of still wriggling like a, like a, like a crappy, like getting, getting like a Gloria Stefan song stuck in your head. We're like, right. I don't even like this song. Why is it? And it's, you know. Find your inner poet. Yeah. You know, go out there and, and feel it. Feel, you know. Um, and, and I stress feeling because we are stuck in this, you know, understanding sense of it. You know, our current frame of mind is, is that logical. That's, that's how our society works and how our, you know, current philosophy that's uh, most important to us is just all about the material. Yeah. Um, and if we were all fleeting and flighting and, you know, poets that, you know, were diehard about our emotions, then I'd probably take the opposite stance. I'd play that devil's advocate, yeah. you know. Um, but right now, we, we really need to do that. Yeah. No, absolutely sure. So, uh, that's, that's been a quick hour 15. We're already kind of over. Did, uh, did we get the, uh, the, all the aspects of what you wanted to reference before yeah, we talked? Yeah. Okay, cool. I want to make sure we, we got it covered because for once I actually asked if anybody has anything to talk about first. <laughs> I want to make sure I finally get to it. This is, you know, the, I like when the show just, uh, you know, you sit down, you start talking. It's like, oh shit, the next thing we, we've just covered an hour of topic and, you know, Let's see, we scratched the surface on... I think we got to Kether, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, thank you very much for coming on again, Gates. Uh, lovely, lovely time. Yeah, glad uh, glad you came back. Um, do you want to give out uh, email or anything this time? Anybody wants yeah, to get in touch? It's yeah. G-A-T-E-S-T-H-R-E-E at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, get in touch with him. He's you know a good person to... Email. I don't. I didn't know how to finish that statement. I started talking. I was like, I don't have the end of this sentence planned, and yeah, frankly, it didn't work. I live a dichotomous life, and yeah. you know, my spiritual side is one email, and my real life is somewhere else. So. Yeah, I'm also. I'm so accustomed to, uh, um, like on another podcast. If I, like I was, I'm doing another person's podcast earlier today. So at the end, when it comes to, well, anything you need to say, you know, it's usually uh facebook twitter website this 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 and that for you it's like yeah i made an email it's, it's kind of i mean it's nice right. but it's it's uh you know, ref i suppose it's refreshing but it's also confusing to my oversaturated social media brain well <laughs> i'm a solitary so yeah i'm i ride this line where it's i like being solitary i like kind of doing it on my own but i have a i mean i have a podcast like so i have a need right. to connect on another way as well it's well, what you're yeah. doing here is really quite amazing, and you know, without you, I wouldn't be able to come out here and do what we're doing now. So, yeah. well, thank you. Yeah, that's that's why I like it. That's why I moved from doing, you know, the old version of the show. I mean, I always talked about weird stuff on the show, but you know, the old version of the show was a lot more kind of jokey based, and you know, a lot of yeah, you know, it's still kind of funny in most episodes. But I like it's much more rewarding having these conversations because one, these are the conversations I like to have more when I can have the opportunity, and two, these are the ones that. Like, yeah, I've met friends through the kind of jokey fun episodes, but these are the ones that if I have a conversation with some random person out there in the ether, the conversation is like, holy shit, you made me realize something. Or, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like life changing conversation, not, you know, that, that dick joke was funny. It's, yeah. it's holy, you know, 
you you told me what Gnosticism was, and I've completely. I get an email from someone that I described what Gnosticism was at one point. Now they are describing the, uh, uh, the demiurge Yaudabaoth. Now mm-hmm. the, the Old Testament God is essentially this inbred, completely retarded thing. That's you know this bastard son of Sophia. And somebody wrote to me, he's like, I never thought about it like that, and was just you know this mind blown like. That makes complete sense. It's like, oh shit, I just converted someone to a belief system I don't have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is um, I think we just set this up uh, less than 12 hours ago. So, oh, yeah. You know, um, and I just came here with what I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. Uh, if, if we, you know, spent some time to, you know, go for like what some points we want to talk about or yeah. you know, things like that, that'd be really cool. Yeah. No, indeed. Yeah. I, I, next time uh, we'll set it up beforehand and ask, uh, ask the audience if they have any have any um specific things they want covered because i i have a dual mindset too of i've been reading about this stuff for so many years that like i forget what other people know like so and like there's chunks that i don't know so it's like i never know what i need to explain so like the like the tree of life okay that needs to be you know sort of explained but I got no way to describe this. Forget it, audience. I'll tell it to you some other time. <laughs> but there's just because I'll get I'll get tweets or email where they'll they'll point out like, yeah, you you just glossed over the you know the foundations of, uh, you know uh, where narcissism comes from, like what what the entire point of that, and then you bother to explain what the tree of life is. So it's like something really easy. I over explain for five minutes, and then I just gloss over. Oh, what you don't know the foundations of quantum theory? <laughs> I I just expected that. Yeah. yeah. All well, right. Well, I'd be more than happy to come back at um, yeah, indeed, any time. Yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, we'll pull the audience. Let's get some. We'll get some topics. I think that'd be fun too to actually like talk about topics on purpose. Yeah. I, it's, I so rarely do that, so it sounds good. Well, yeah. I brushed up on you know some questions that were brought to me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so more audience involvement would be awesome. Yeah, indeed. All right, so you can find uh, Gates at Gates Three T R T E E T. You know how to spell three at Gmail dot com. And uh, you can find me on alexias.com. Just click stuff. You know how that works. So uh, thank you for listening. Yep, thanks. Yeah.